I wanted to do a really quick follow-up to last week's message where I talked about reclaiming our finances, and I wanted to extend two offers to you today. Uh, The first would be, um, if you find yourself in a financial season of great challenge, and you feel like you've got some obstacles in your financial world that are going to require some help, some insight, some assistance to help you get through um, I would invite you to reach out to me, reach out to the, to the office. We have some people here who would be willing to sit down with you and help you find some solutions and figure some things out and help you get to a place where you can feel some freedom uh, in that area of your life. Uh, the other thing I would offer to you is, um, you know, someone reached out to me this week and said, you know, Rob, I want to grow in the area of generosity. This is not something I've really thought about, but I really don't even know where to start. And so if that is you today and you kind of think, you know, I'd like to join the community of people at River Cross Church who set aside a portion of their income every month, every week, and uh, kind of give it generously. I'd like to become part of that community, but I don't even know where to begin. Again, reach out. We've got some people who would love to sit down with you and just all the practicalities uh, and figure out what that might look like for you in your circumstance. So uh, don't hesitate to do that today. We've been talking about living in disruptive times and that there's just parts of our lives that in this past year and a bit have been challenged. They've been stretched. They've been kind of dislocated. Uh, Some areas of our lives we've just kind of entered in kind of survival mode. And in doing so, we've lost our sense of purpose. And so we've been talking about what would it look like to reclaim those areas of our lives. We talked two weeks ago about friendship. Uh, For for many of us, our friendships have been kind of stretched or pulled apart or our rhythms of life have been changed. Uh, Last week, we talked about our finances. And today, the topic we're going to discuss, I feel like I'm giving each and every one of you a lottery ticket that is guaranteed to win. So here's what today is about and why I think, I I hope it feels like a a gift to you. Because it's permission to say no to some things so that you can say yes to your soul. It's permission to bundle up all of your worries and to set them aside for a day. It's permission to turn off your phone and ignore your email and not feel guilty about it. It's permission to ignore laundry and go have coffee with friends. It's permission to ignore that lawn that needs to be mowing. I think tomorrow we're allowed to mow our lawns together. Is that, a, is that true? And to maybe set some time aside and to uh, go outside and sit in a chair in the grass, the long, long grass, and enjoy some time journaling. It's permission granted to us not once a year and not even just once a month, but once a week to get some rest. Today we're going to be talking about reclaiming Sabbath keeping, reclaiming this gift that God has given to each and every one of us um, that he hopes would be a blessing to us, but for some reason, for lots of reasons, so often we tend to ignore. During this past year, our sense of time, our sense of the uniqueness of days, uh, and the purpose of those days has been kind of all mushed together and all smushed together. Now, those I understand are very technical words, and my apologies to Nick, our translator, for trying to translate those into Mandarin. Um, But that's what's going on in our lives. Our days have been kind of smushed all together. Early in the pandemic, there was a TV show in Cleveland, Ohio, that introduced a new segment to their morning program that kind of became famous uh, right across the country. And the segment was called, What Day Is It? uh, We're going to watch a clip of it now. Good morning, everybody. Time now for the most important question of the morning. Yep, what day is it with Todd Meany?
Friday. <laughs> yes. Uh, this has been What Day Is It with Todd Meany, and it is Friday, April 10th. Yeah. Good Friday for Christians all around the world. Yes, it is good Friday. Yeah. All right, are you ready to uh, quarantine with Kitty Crofton? All right. <laughs> So uh, it isn't Friday, actually, if you're watching this and you weren't sure what day it was, or well, at least today, the time of our recording, it's Sunday. But can you imagine that a segment like this in kind of pre-pandemic times would be of interest to people telling us what day of the week it is? But the truth is our days have lostly lost their rhythm. They've lost kind of the definition to them. You know, it used to be like a Monday felt like a Monday, it was kind of a day maybe we begrudgingly set an alarm, we got up early, we got dressed up both in the top portion of our bodies and the bottom portion of our bodies. We actually left our house, we went to a workplace. On Saturday, we turned off our alarms, we slept in, we wore track pants all day, unlike we do now, which is mostly every day of the week. And then Sunday had a feel to it, days had feelings, they had a, a certain sense to them. But all of that has changed. In fact, there's a word for it. People started using the phrase, what day is it? It's blurs day because all the just blur together. And now that we're over a year into this, since we've lost, days have lost their definition, they've lost their uniqueness, they've kind of lost some of their purpose, they're starting to look at the ways in which it's contributing to a sense of burnout in many people's lives. And burnout is when your soul can no longer bear the weight of your life. Burnout is when your soul can no longer bear the weight of your life. And in pre-pandemic times, we talked about burnout as kind of you were going too fast, you were doing too much, your life was kind of lived at a really, really fast pace. But now our lives, people are experiencing burnout not because we're go, go, going many places, because we're not really go, going, going many places, but it comes from kind of this sense of worry, anxiety, this season that we've been in of uncertainty, the lack of clarity and purpose to the days and to our time. And for the, especially for those of you who are working from home, where boundaries between work life and home life are getting particularly blurred. And we're going to be talking more about that next week. But the result can be deep fatigue. And in some cases, a sense that we're burning out. And that's where a lot of people are finding themselves right now. And here's the good news if that describes you today. God has a plan for you and I to live life in such a rhythm, in such a way, redeeming our days so that we don't get to that place. And it's more wonderful and significant than you imagine. And it's not a to-do list. It's not a burden. It is a gift. So let me just for a few minutes, just allow me to go through the scriptures and kind of share with you kind of this theme of Sabbath keeping that goes from the very beginning of the Bible right through to the very end. And this, as we go through these, I want you to hear again that God has a gift for each and every one of us. The first is found in Genesis chapter two, verses one to two. And let me just read it for you. Right. Sorry about that. So let me just read it for you. Genesis chapter two, verses one to two. From the creation story. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God finished the work he had done so that on the seventh day he rested, or the word here is he Sabbathed from all his work. So God creates in chapter one. In chapter two, it begins with this theme that on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, God finished his work. Three things. He finished his work, meaning he stopped. 
In fact, the word Sabbath literally means to cease. Now, God did not stop his work because everything was finished. And that's important. We know, that, we know this because when he created Adam and Eve, as soon as he created them, he gave them work to do. And their job was to finish the work in the creation that he had started. This is important for people like me who love to-do lists. And maybe you're a to-do list person and you've got a sheet in your office or it sits by your desk or you've got a productivity app on your phone and you get like joy when you cross something off your list. Sabbath is not a reward for getting everything done. Sabbath is not the prize at the end of the to-do list when everything is scratched off. It's a call to cease, regardless of how finished we are, and regardless of what remains undone. And it's permission to rest, to cease and to rest. God creates life with rhythm, with purpose. He wants our work to be joyful, and he wants our rest to be joyful as well. But it also says in this passage that he blessed this day, that he made it holy. This is significant. The Sabbath day, when kept in the spirit that God intended, holds a blessing for us. In fact, I would be so blunt as to say, if you're practicing Sabbath and you feel worse at the end of the day, or you feel more tired or more stressed or more burned out at the end of the day, you're doing it wrong. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. The second passage, we go from Genesis to Exodus, and it's the story of the giving of the Ten Commandments. And let me just read for you the passage about the, this commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do not, you shall not do any work, Neither you, nor your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. He's saying, God is saying, this day is to be a blessing to you, but it's not like you take the day off and you just make everybody else work for you. It's a day off for everybody. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested. He Sabbathed on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the day and he made it holy. What I'm reminded of when I read this is that God put together these Ten Commandments as kind of a, a code, so to speak, for the, that would define this people as their people, as God's people. And in it, there's all kinds of things like do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not make idols. And in that list of ten things, the Lord holds the commandment on keeping the Sabbath. And in our culture, ironically, Breaking the Sabbath is the only commandment that we brag about, isn't it? Right? And you don't hear typically people bragging about breaking the other commandments. But when the Lord gives this commandment to his people, he wants them to keep it. It's so essential to what it means to be his people. Let's jump ahead to the New Testament. There's lots of verses I'm just going to share two with you. One is found in Mark chapter 2. Here's what Jesus says about the Sabbath. And this is going to surprise some of you, especially some of you maybe who grew up um, in the church. It comes at the end of a story where Jesus and his disciples were walking. The disciples were hungry. They took some grain. It happened to be the Sabbath, and they ate it. And some of the religious people called them out and pointed them out. And they had created some human-made rules for what you could and what you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And then Jesus speaks to them, and he says this. It is so powerful. Jesus says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. And not people to meet the requirements 
of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was put in place for you, for me, to meet our needs, to serve us. God says, I have given you a gift. I've, and it's for you to be refreshed, for you to be renewed. It's a day that's supposed to breathe life back into your souls. And he got a particularly upset when people tried to take that and turn it into a burden and turn it into just a list of do's and don'ts. One more verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, right from verse 1 to 11, is talking about this theme of rest. And he, he, let me just read this for you. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. There is a special rest. He's talking about eternity here. For we have all entered into God's rest, have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Again, here the writer is talking about eternity. When we, when we die and pass from this life and enter into the kingdom of God, the word that he uses to describe that is rest. That that experience of being in the presence of God for eternity is rest. Here he talks about keeping Sabbath is kind of like getting a little bit of a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. I remember one author said this, Sabbath is the workshop for the practice of eternity. Sabbath is the workshop for the practice of eternity, where we are eternally renewed, where we are eternally refreshed and restored, living life in the Lord's presence and fullness of joy. That is what Sabbath should be like now. And when we experience that, we're getting a little bit of a taste of what eternity is going to be like someday. So God created us. It was his intent from the very beginning, not just for people who are burnt out and really exhausted and need kind of a little reprieve. No, Sabbath was to be a regular rhythm of everyday life. Live life always refreshed and always renewed. God establishes, establishes it in the King Ten Commandments. Jesus upholds it in his teaching, and it's found as a metaphor then for what heaven is going to be like someday. And I wonder today, how that sits with you. Is your soul kind of quietly underneath maybe the tiredness and the exhaustion calling out saying, get me some of that. I could use some of that right now. Well, we're living in a time where people are feeling fatigued, worn out, where our days are kind of all smushed together with no real definition. And I think reclaiming Sabbath keeping for you and I as God's people would be just the opportunity to unwrap the gift that he has already given to us. So in the next few minutes, I just want to give you some really practical suggestions. You might even want to take out a piece of paper or open up an app on your phone. Again, this is not to create a to-do list. This is just to get you thinking about what would it look like for me to reclaim a Sabbath day once a week. So let's go through. I've just got a few practical suggestions for you. The first is this. I'm going to make it really practical. I want you to pick which day of the week you're going to take as your Sabbath for the next month. So four days. One day per week for the next month. Which four days are you going to choose right now to set aside and practice your Sabbath? Maybe it's Sunday. Great. That might work for you. It probably doesn't work for everybody. But pick a 24-hour period that you are going to set aside and say, this is my Sabbath. So open your calendar, open up your app, look through your days and figure out which is going to be the day you're going to use. 
Because if you don't do it intentionally, it will not happen. If you just kind of wake up and think, well, I think I'll do a Sabbath today, that's not the spirit of it. You need to prepare and prepare in advance for it. If you live in a family, um, try to get as many people in the family as possible to practice the same day in our house. Uh, that doesn't work. Uh, but pick the 24-hour period that you're going to use. And then build some boundaries around it and set it aside. So that's the first thing. Pick a day, pick four days actually over the next month, set them aside and say, these are going to be my Sabbaths in this next month. Your second thing to think about is do what fills your soul. Do what fills your soul. We spend so much time working on so many different aspects of our life. The Sabbath day is a day lived unto the Lord. It's a day that we remember that we are humans that God has created to live in relationship with him. And that a day spent with him is a day where we get to feel renewed and where we get to feel refreshed. It's a day where we're more attuned to God's presence than any other day because we've kind of put all those other things aside for that day. Resist the temptation to turn this into kind of a religious to-do This Here's all these things I have to do. And live instead with a real awareness to God's presence throughout the day and every aspect of that day. I know people who actually light candles to mark the start of their Sabbath. They have a, one or two candles. They light them and it's kind of their way of acknowledging, Lord, just as this candle burns, so I'm remembering that you are present here with me in this day. I know you're present all the other days too, but today's the day when I kind of get reminded of that more intentionally. I know other people who have a certain scripture that they'll read at the start of the Sabbath day, and they kind of keep reading it throughout the day. If they're standing in line at the grocery store, they read it again. If they're just out for a walk in nature, they read it again. Maybe they read it at supper time with their family. It's just a way, again, to hear God speak to them throughout that day. And these are the kind of things that fill their soul. It's a day to enjoy the gifts that God has given to you in this life. Friends, food, hobbies, nature, a Sunday siesta, uh, whatever it is, God has given you so many gifts in your life that are for your enjoyment. Sabbath is a day to feast on those and to enjoy them without regret and without apology. Not because we have to, but because God invites us to. It's his desire that this would be the way that we live on a regular basis. And the goal is that when Sabbath is done, there's a sense that we've been renewed. There's a sense that our heart has been refreshed. We've heard the Lord speak to us. We've known his nearness. We've sensed his presence. We've just become more aware of the gifts that he's given to us, and we feel a little bit more human. Now, I would highly recommend spending as little time as possible on your phone if you're going to practice your Sabbath. You know, I love my cell phone. It's wonderful. Uh, I've got TVs. I've got movies. I've got every major store on planet Earth, every news outlet on planet Earth I've got apps for. I've got all the updates of what everybody in my life is doing. I've got photos and news all in the palm of my hand. It's wonderful. The bad news is I've got all of those things right in the palm of my hand. And part of Sabbath is disconnecting from some of the regular routines of our life and creating some new space in our heart and in our mind so we just might live with the Lord in that day. And for you, maybe that's not an issue. I know for me, 
turning off my phone, not checking email, um, is just such a huge part of creating some space in my soul to hear the Lord speak. And I can reassure you, if you turn off your phone for 24 hours, or at least turn off your notifications, or don't check email, the earth will not crash into the sun, your heart will not stop beating, and your social life will not collapse. I give you a money-back guarantee. So do what's helpful to restoring your soul. Do the things that God has given us that restore our soul. Third, be patient and make changes as you need. Be patient. Sabbath keeping is not a quick fix. It's not a pill that you take that makes things go away. It's one of the most counter-cultural exercises that you and I as people of faith can practice in our go-go kind of world. For some of you, it will be a battle to get started in Sabbath keeping. Your mind will constantly be wanting to make you do things. It will be making you feel guilty for not being more productive. And you're going to have to fight through all of that. This is going to take some time. And so let me encourage you, do not be discouraged. If you take four days and you don't kind of have this magical transformation experience, don't be discouraged. Keep at it. This is God's gift for you. If you've never practiced Sabbath before, you're totally rechanging the whole rhythm of your week and your life. And if you're entering Sabbath tired and mentally fatigued and kind of on the verge of burnout, one Sabbath day is not going to fix that. In the same way that one day of exercise will not uh, fix two years of inactivity. Sabbath is a completely different way of ordering our week and ordering our lives. A few years ago, um, there was a secular Jewish gentleman who had decided that he was going to read the Old Testament and keep it literally for 365 days. And so he wrote a whole book about his experience of all putting into practice things like the Ten Commandments and other Jewish laws. And so he lived it all out and he recounted his story. It was very entertaining. And oftentimes when he was doing interviews, he was being asked this question, what was the biggest surprise the result that you experienced in your life that was really positive, that you hadn't anticipated, that came from a result of practicing these Ten Commandments uh, for a whole year. And his answer was the same every time he was asked the question. He said it was Sabbath keeping. I had no idea how big a difference that practice of taking a 24-hour period once a week and setting it aside uh, would have on my life. Now, I confess to you today, I am no expert in this area, that I've had seasons where I've practiced this really well, and I've had seasons in my life where I have not practiced this well at all, and probably um, those that live closest to me could probably differentiate which seasons were which. But I want to share some things that I've learned just about my own experience in practicing this to get you thinking and remind you that this is going to take some time to figure out. You know, one of the things that I have to do right early into my Sabbath day is I have to exercise. I wake up with all kinds of nervous energy first thing in the morning, six days or seven days a week. And so if I don't exercise first thing in the morning and kind of burn off some of that excess energy, I have a really hard time settling down and getting into that space. But if I can do something even for 30 minutes, even just going for a walk, I just have learned that about myself. It helps me enter into the day and not be anxious, and not be thinking about all kinds of other things. The other thing that I've learned is just giving myself permission to slow down. 
I will even talk to myself when I'm going somewhere, if I'm out for a walk or I'm, let's say, popping in to get something at the grocery store and I'm just sprinting in there, I will say, Rob, you can slow down. You do not need to go in here at 50 miles an hour. There's no rush. This is the Sabbath day. Walk with leisure. Go slow. Take your time. You're not cramming this in between other things. In fact, there was a great book a number of years ago by a Japanese author called, uh, his last name is Koyama. And he talked about the three-mile-an-hour God. And he said, if you want to connect with God, you have to travel at the speed of three miles an hour, which is the speed of walking slowly. His point being this. A Sabbath day is not a day to rush. It's not a day to sprint. It's not a day to feel overwhelmed by all the things you have to do. It's a day where we enter into it and we go leisurely. I've learned over time to not feel guilty about not doing things. Uh, I love to swim. Swimming is one of the things that just refreshes me. I love to do some exercise. I love to have no rules about what I can eat on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is to eat whatever I want uh, because these are kind of things that bring joy. I make supper for my family every Friday night, which is the day I practice Sabbath. And then I spend my evening with my family who are all kind of arriving home from school and from work. And if I can do those things in the run of the day, just... I just have a sense of God's presence and nearness with me each and every day. And it just refreshes me uh, in ways that are so impactful. Now, I know for each and every one of us, your life is different. Your schedule is different. Your season of life is different. But the point is this. You're going to need to figure out what works for you. And I would say to you, God has given us this gift. Do not leave it unwrapped. All right, as we close today, I just have had this other thought. It's been kind of with me all week as I've been thinking about this topic. This is God's vision for you and for I to live this way. It was so central that when God was defining his code that would kind of characterize his people as they left slavery in Egypt and established themselves as a brand new people, he said this idea of taking a day unto me would be one of the things that would be a witness to all the nations around you. And as I think about our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, who are also feeling tired, who are feeling fatigued, who are feeling worn out, my Sabbath keeping, your Sabbath keeping would be a witness to people that there is a God who loves you so much that he wants to walk with you and recenter you and he wants you to live a life that's renewed and refreshed. In fact, this week a song came out and I've been listening to it every day. Um, Canadian singer-songwriter Alanis Morissette released a, a new song this week. And the, the, the word, it's called Rest. And she was writing it. She wrote it in, result, in kind of in response to mental health awareness. But listen to the lyrics and listen to kind of the call for help that are found in these lyrics. Here's a few of them. She writes, she's cold, she's hungry, and she's yearning for a hand on her forehead. And the more she takes the less comfort she knows. The more you hurl at me, the more I'll curl up in my bed. She's been pushing for a while. Can you cut this woman some slack? Let her lie down. And God rest her soul. And this is kind of how the song ends. These words just struck me. They said this, We've been hurting for a while. Can we cut ourselves some slack and let us lie down? And God rest, God, won't you please rest our souls. 
And when I hear these words, I hear the ache of a culture who says, we've been go, go, going. We've been carrying heavy loads. We're tired and we're fatigued. And is there any hope for us? God, would you intervene and would you rescue us in some way? And Sabbath keeping is a reminder that God loves us. And this is not about having a day off. It's not just about doing the things that you and I want to do. It's about living once a week and being reminded of the surety and the confidence that God is in control and things are going to be okay. That inner rest that comes from the knowing that the Lord who created all things has also created me. And I get to walk with him each and every day. But there's one day a week where I get reminded of that and I pay attention to that again. That there's a God who loves me without condition, no matter my performance, no matter how I feel that I'm doing. And knowing this and living this and being reminded of this once a week allows us to live from a place of true identity and true rest. Sabbath keeping is not just about having a day to kind of get out of chores. It's about a day of living and being reconnected to that inner peace that is found from our relationship with Christ. And as we do that, and we, that becomes more part of who we are, I think it's an incredible witness to people who are calling out and looking for rest. God, today, I just pray for each person that's listening to this, watching this service. Lord, even no matter the strength or the place of their faith that they will pick in this next month, four days that they'll set them aside, that they'll ask themselves the questions, Lord, what would it mean to make space so I can just hear from you, so I can do the things that fill and refresh my soul? Lord, that I'll adjust and make changes as needed, that I won't give up. Lord, that I'll stick to this because I want to be the kind of person who lives from a place of centeredness and rest. And God, ultimately, that as we do this and as our lives are shaped by this, that it would be a witness and a story that we get to tell to people who are also looking for rest, Lord, that you will give them the rest that their hearts are looking for. And we thank you for this in your name. Amen.